Welcome to the audition to the Hunchback of Notre Dame. We're taking uh, online auditions just to see how we can shake things. No, uh, we're not doing a Christmas play. This is a serious, inter- no, this is a friendly conversation with uh, someone who I met serendipitously online through LinkedIn, through a, a good friend of ours, Kim Slade, who shared the fact that there's a book out there that costs 560 euros. And I thought, what? And it says pricing, what? And I thought, Ben, we need to talk to this guy. I'm uh, Filip Pucic. I'm uh, uh, from Croatia. I'm in Croatia right now. And what I do generally in the world is I'm, I'm a pricing mentor. I help people charge more for the value that they already provide. I've done a lot of things. I've been um, a, a founder and then a, ma- a marketing manager. And now for five years, I've been doing this. And I've been saying to so many people, you know, I've, I've done so many mistakes in, in, in pricing my expertise. I, I should write a book about it. And I said it one time too many to to uh, uh, a certain uh, Nordic person I'm, I'm not going to mention here. And he said, so so let's do that. Hello, everyone. I'm Klaus. Uh, When I go to conferences, I usually put as my title on my name tag, it says overpaid rockstar consultant. And that, of course, makes people curious, which is part of the idea. I do a lot of different stuff, generally in the human side of things, innovation, change management, leadership, public speaking, marketing, waka waka. And then I have a tendency to write books. So Pricing Expertise here with Philip is my book number 37. So I I have a a decent track record of being a guy who gets stuff done. And then I'm also, uh, as it says, an overpaid consultant. So I'm also expensive. So Philip and I seem to be a good match for this sort of thing. And uh, that's where the book started for us, was talking about this and realizing, as Philip said, let's do it. Let's stop talking. Let's do it instead. So we now know some context to the book and where it's the parents of the book. Um, sounds like a wonderful partnership. Uh, what I, of course, I'm going to start with the, the massive elephant in the room, and then I might pass on to Ben to see if he has any questions. It's like 560 euros for a book. Oh, my God. Well, I think most people generally who have who, who probably don't think much about pricing would think oh my that's ridiculous how can you do that so would maybe share well share what you like around that but that's my opening kind of statement is like wow that's a lot of money for a book it's true it's low right we had a big question about this yeah and ironically i'm, I'm gonna i'm normally a little bit more of the wacky one of us but i'm gonna treat this deadly seriously for a moment and say it's really cheap because if you consider, and, and this is anyone who's checked out my website will know that it says in big, bold letters, and this is something I stand by and actually charge, I charge a thousand euros an hour for my time. So when somebody wants to hire me for coaching or that sort of thing, if we don't agree on anything else, then I have that baseline. Sometimes it's per project. Sometimes there's a revenue share. There's all sorts of funky things going around. But if nothing else, I charge a thousand euros for an hour. Now, Picking up this book, will you get more out of it on pricing than talking to me for half an hour? Yeah, I'd say you would because it's a collection of mine and Philip's thoughts, and it's actually pretty damn good. So in that respect, it's super cheap. If you look at it from the perspective of what does it cost to buy a traditional business book, which might be $30 or $40 or 50 euros, or if they're really crazy like 80, 90, 
then it's super expensive. And that's, of course, part of our, our whole spiel is when you price expertise, don't use the pricing models that fit pricing tomatoes or pricing toothpaste or pricing being a moving company because they don't work. And that means that 560 euros is a very, very cheap price if it's something that's going to allow you to earn a lot more money. If it's something that you buy, you use it to wedge it in between your, your door to keep it open at night to get the wind in, well, then it's very expensive. I mean, value is subjective. And the whole thing of, of getting around the question of, of value by equating it to overhead is um, a prime in, in, in many cases. And even then, there's like an unspoken uh, agreement that nobody challenges that, oh, this, this is, you know, this, this is hardcover. So it, it has to be like $40 more expensive. Look, hardcover is maybe a euro expensive per book or two, not $40, right? But we all nod and agree. And yes, this, this costed more in overhead. So it had, why? So this has nothing to do with the overhead. And when you go to, to an expensive restaurant, you don't get a, a bill that says, you know, you ate uh, th this much flour and a pinch of salt and this, this much rosemary. And no, you got a meal, you got an experience from that. And that's how much it costs. So we, we, we said, let's, let's be, as, as you wrote in, in your post, let's be uh, honest and confident about this and uh, price it in a way in, in accordance to, to what the book says. And <laughs> it, it turned out to be $560. And I've, I've uh, gotten uh, plenty of reactions, most of them uh, uh, good. I don't know how about you, uh, uh, Klaus. I, I uh, haven't seen all of them. Um, and people said, you know, good for you. So some people were concerned, were we going to uh, sell any? And I said, that's not the point. It's my first book. So if I don't sell any, I won't be surprised. It's it closes 37th. So if he, if he doesn't sell any, he's he's not uh, uh, unhappy about it, I think. Uh, but we already sold one <laughs> in like a, a couple of days uh, uh, before. So that otherwise, uh, that obviously uh, is not a big concern. And we're not, we didn't write this to sell millions, whatever. We we wrote this because we wanted this book to exist. 10 years ago when we really needed it. So we don't have to go, uh, you know, through this mistake by mistake. Um, Klaus, I, I really like, when we were talking about this, you you equated uh, this or mm, compared this to, to the classic story of, of the chalk market. Could, could you share that? Sure, I, I can do that. And, and just as an, a follow-up answer to Francis is that an obvious question is asked, how many have we sold, right? And instead of Philip said, we already did the first sale uh, a couple of days ago, and it's not been the only one. We hope that it picks up more when we actually have them physically in hardcover, because even though that shouldn't change it, it does for people. Yeah. I think one thing to be aware of here is that why do we ask that question? It's a very classic question. If somebody does something that's out of the ordinary, whether it's pricing a book at 560, whether it's doing specialty brewing, beer at 10 euros a bottle or whatever it is, our first question is, how many others have accepted this completely crazy idea? Because if it's not many, then I'll wait. 
If it's zero, then I won't trust it. If it's a lot, then it makes sense to me because then I'm not alone. And at the heart of pricing is this feeling of not being alone with a decision, feeling that it makes sense through some logic, whether it's, oh, but this is the tennis shoes that President Obama wears, or this has been trusted by 6 million Chinese entrepreneurs, whatever it is, we are constantly between the struggle of wanting to, to tread new ground and be the first business models, ideas, services, whatever it is. And on the other hand, we look for reinforcement because we don't want to be the klutz who paid 560 euros for a book and everybody else was just laughing at it mm -hmm. as an example. So I love that you asked that question, Francis, because it is an obvious one. Even if it has nothing to do with the book, it has everything to do with pricing. No, that's great. That's a fantastic answer. And what spring to mind because you used the word logic and we talked earlier about when we were talking before the um on monday you talked about pricing logics and so there's one aspect of this around i think people finding wanting to think logically about the way they make decisions and the uh, money they spend and then there's another thing about internal coherence because what makes sense to me and is coherent with my beliefs and my values might not be logical or coherent for someone else. And what I was hearing from your expression there is like, there's an emotional aspect to this that may, some people aren't necessarily aware of. And this quite provocative statement surfaces a lot of this stuff that people hide behind or, or try to tuck away. A couple of years ago, I did a thing for a reasonably sized company, let's just put it that way, and they hired me in to do three hours of entertaining, learning, workshop, team building for their company. There were about 100 people or so, and they were already pricing the event. They were looking at cost of the event on a per-person value. They were looking at the food is priced per person, the the hotel is priced per person. The transport is priced per person. So they asked me, how much would this cost per person? And I said, well, what are you looking at ballpark figures? I said, well, last year we took them to the amusement park Tivoli. That cost us 500 kroner, about 70 euros per person. And if you, if you can keep it beneath that, then we're good. I said, well, what if I knock 20% off that price? Then you're happy. And they said, yeah, really happy. And I said, great. Because to me, doing a thing where it's just Klaus in a room, whether it's 100 people or 120 people or 80 people, doesn't really matter that much, as long as I know, so I can design for it. But whether I'm paid 80 times 70 euros or 120 times 70 euros, that does matter. But to their pricing logic, which was a per-person pricing logic, it didn't matter what the total price was. It mattered what the per-person price was. And I'm pretty sure if I'd gone to the same people and said, you know what, for three hours, I'm going to charge 9,000 euros. Then they would have said, isn't that a bit much? Like, you're not bringing any props. You're not bringing any team. It's just you in a room. Like, are you that good? I would have said, maybe. We'll find out. But instead, they said, oh, so it's like 60 euro per person? Well, that's way within budget lovely to work with you you're fantastic we look forward to it the per hour logic is is so pervasive right and uh, you know experts are paid per hour that's that's what happens that's that's how it's always been done right but uh so i was speaking to to, to a designer client he said you know it, it makes sense for me 
the, the longer I worked, okay. So, um, but technically, what you did there, I could do that, right? I could go and and uh, you know buy Photoshop and go and look at YouTube, and in like two to three years, I might do the same job that you can do in two hours. But it would be, let's say, the same job to be charitable to me uh, and, and, and my learning skills. Uh, although the, the result would be the same. It would take you two hours. It would take me a year. So what? what's an hour of design? I mean, it's a unit. It's a measurable unit. Whether it makes sense or not, well, you know, you could technically pay for design per page. You could print out whatever you designed in some font size or whatever uh, picture size and then simply measure um how how heavy is the paper that we printed and then print you and then charge by, by kilo or whatever mm-hmm. it would make the, the same amount of sense i mean it's a measurable thing whether that's worth measuring is, is beside the point and uh, if somebody pays klaus for a for, for a keynote speech is a six hour speech better than a half an hour one yeah. I would argue it's my worst. Six times is good. <laughs> no, it's really not. Awesome. So that logic that we apply, uh, and I do say we, right? I, I grew out of, of, of those weeds uh, with, with, with my mistakes, as I said. Uh, those That logic applies to commodities. And what experts sell, any experts, are not commodities and not even commoditized services because it really 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 matters who does it so if i find another guy named klaus same length of beard uh and and i simply try to swap it for this one i i won't get the same thing so expert services are not commoditized services and they shouldn't be priced like potatoes and and using the same logic so it it, it, because it simply doesn't work and if if I can uh, throw in a, a, a children's tale here, I uh, uh, I like to call it uh, swan pricing versus versus duck pricing because of the the, the ugly duckling story, right? We we grow out and we try things. I I know Klaus uh, tried many types of of, of of pricing before, and you, you simply see that this doesn't really work. The logic doesn't work. It works for many restaurants it, it, it works for waiters it works for car washes it works for so many things but for these things they don't work and then you start to think is is it me no you're you were just following duck rules and you were the swan all along so basically what l- most people are doing sort of stuck in a paradigm of duck pricing where we think about things as as commodity if we take people listening and so a lot of those people will understand the principle of that or understand the thought that you're you're pointing to how do you define better swan pricing because we understand it's not about the units it's not about commodity so what what is it about so it's about the goal it's about what they actually want to achieve so that can be value pricing and value pricing is very modern to, to, to talk about but it doesn't have to be it can absolutely be um it can absolutely be per unit or uh, per project or even skin in the game pricing. But but it has to be, uh, the incentives have to be aligned. Y- you shouldn't price in a way uh, that either y- you get the short end of the stick or, or the client. And it, it reflects very much on how our work is remembered. 
Now, now uh, I have fact checked this. Uh, so, so everybody who, who who went to school in Europe, I think, had to uh, read the Russian classics, the Dostoevsky, and, and things like that. And I remember in high school talking with the professor said, why did this guy have a need to describe one freaking tree next to the train tracks in St. Petersburg for 14 pages? Okay. And it's, uh, th those were fascinating high school discussions. But then I found out that Dostoevsky, as uh, uh, everybody else in that, he was paid by the word. Mystery solved. Thank you very much. So <laughs> the, the whole movement that, that we now learn it, it was influenced by how he was paid. So um, it's it's a fun thing, and it's also a fun thing that Dostoevsky used used to have such such bad relationship with his publisher that he said, "I'm giving him ten thousand words and not one more." But um, the the message of that is pay attention at how your value is measured because that will affect how people remember your work. Well, if if I'm paying by the word. Then I've defined. I've kind of like put a limit or a lid on how much I'm going to get back. To start off with. So if I say, oh, I'm going to only pay for 500 words, maybe 501 words is the best thing that's ever going to happen to me. But I've already just like limited it because of a, an internal budget. Um, I was curious about what you talked about. Was it skin in the game pricing for people who yeah. might not understand what that is? It might be interesting just to. Uh, to get a feel for, oh yeah, just what that means in terms of um, uh, that. That means we share the risk. So when somebody pays you by the hour, uh, then however long this takes, they're going to pay the same by the hour. So if this takes three times as long, well, bad luck. They're taking the risk. So skin in the game pricing can can uh, take many forms. But let's say that I'm embarking on a project which will take me up about 100 hours. And I will say, so this is, this is normal. Although these things can get really messy and complicated if something happens, and sometimes that happens. So I'm going to offer two uh, different choices here. The first one is you pay whatever the, the, the hourly rate is times however long this takes. And the second choice is you pay the expected amount plus 85% more. It's a 185 method. It's not mine. And you will always pay that. Even if it takes shorter or much, much longer, you're never going to pay more than that because I'm taking the risk. So you're paying for a part of that risk and I'm paying for the rest. So this is this is an, a simple example that anybody could use of skin the game pricing. Hmm. And even if the client says, no, 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 no. I, I'm fine. I, let me just pay per, per hour. And then something... Uh, is complicated and they pay 200% of, of what they wanted, not what 185 or 300. They're not really in position to, to, to uh, whine about it because you told them that could happen. And next time they're going to choose the 185 and they're going to appreciate you warning them instead of resenting you for offering. So if all the risk is on the buyer, that's the standard pricing. If you take some of the risk off that, and people usually appreciate that because a lot of business to business stuff is about the risk. Then that's skin in the game, the skin in the game pricing. Awesome. No, that's clear. Thank you. Well, I was connecting it back to, I think Klaus was talking about pricing logics. What I was hearing there as well is like within the customer's head, there is a pricing logic. 
And sometimes it doesn't matter what the number is, big, small, whatever it is. Like, if you can somehow understand what that logic is and fit into that, then you've got a better chance of getting paid what you deserve. In the case of like what I heard from class was like, you could pay me 9,000 euros for an hour or you could pay 60 euros per head for 150 people. And that feels a lot more palatable for to someone, 60 euros uh, per person, I should say, for 150 people seems a lot more palatable than paying 9,000 euros for an hour's work. So maybe I've got a number in my head. I, you know, I am worth 9,000 euros an hour, but I got to somehow work it out. How does that make sense to the other customer, the other person or my customer? Is that the principle I'm trying to? So it's definitely one of them. And, and another thing here is one of, of what Philip said before is the most risky thing is if you come up with a pricing model that encourages one of the parties, either the buyer or the seller, to simply, shall we say, maximize. Let's say that we were paid to be on this podcast, right? That's not unrealistic. People are sometimes paid to be on podcasts. And you could say, what do you guys want to be on the podcast? Well, there's a big difference if we say, we want 10,000 each to be on the podcast, and then we don't care if it's a 30-minute podcast or a 60-minute or a five-minute, that doesn't matter. Where if we are paid by the minute, then you can be very sure that my answers will be very slow and thought through. And I will say, Ben, can you elaborate on that question? <laughs> Just the minutes ticking away and the price going up. Which is just and let me right? repeat so, that. Yes, exactly. And then Philip does <laughs> the same. And we're thinking, oh, <laughs> all the monies. Because we're incentivized to maximize the system. And some of it gets really silly because, again, we have this by the hour is so pervasive. So it means that somebody invites you, invites Ben to give a talk somewhere. Ben, you're a famous podcast host. Come and give a talk on how to be a famous podcast host. We're going to pay you by the hour. And Ben says, great, I'd like to talk for three hours. They're like, yeah, we were thinking more like 30 minutes. Like, I'm thinking more. Why? Well, because you're giving me money the more I talk. Where if they're saying, Ben, we want to pay you $5,000, what would be a good length of time to talk? Then you can say, well, I think, you know what? 20 minutes is actually better than 25 because people start losing attention or one hour because then we have time for Q&A. But then he's focusing on delivering the most value to the client instead of maximizing his own profit. And this idea that more time is that imagine you have somebody who spent 14 years perfecting a craft and they're paid by the hour because they're good. Then somebody else walks in and they've spent four years and they're even better. Should they be cheaper or should they be even more expensive? Because who knows what they could get to in 14 years. Absolutely. And I call this, you know, these cases of what is fair, I call it the rabbit hole without without any good exits. Because you could yes. always talk talk more about that. But yes, and how about if somebody's talented and how about if uh, somebody has a lot of experience, but what if that experience was paid or unpaid or if they got a scholarship or they, or they got money from their dad? It doesn't matter. So uh, the, uh, you, you mentioned a couple of times background logics and I would call out three of them, which which are the most pervasive: in uh, input based, output based, and value based. So input based is okay. So how many years have you honed your craft? How many cars have you crashed until you learned this? How many, you know, it, it, the, some inputs basically. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm an economist by trade. <laughs> uh, 
uh, I'm very fun at parties. Um, so so uh, the, the output basis, what do they get out of it? So you pay by by the word or by the by the word card or something. And if it takes somebody 10 minutes or 60 minutes, it doesn't really matter, right? It's it's by the output. And then you have by value. And in being in, in business to business, there's more, much more room for, for value-based pricing than people realize. And sometimes pe- people say, uh, you know, no, 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 I care how much work it, it actually took. And then I, I usually say, okay, let's let's try this out with hypothetical simple scenarios. Let's say you want to hire me for a project and um, you install cameras into my home and into my computer. And you can know for sure that I'm hard at work and I work for 60 hours and you get no results out of that. Nothing that you wanted. Would you still pay me? Probably, that was the deal. Would you rehire me or, or, or you know, uh, recommend me? No. And scenario B, let's say that you can see me not try. Let's say that you can see me wave a magic wand, uh, wand and, and get you everything that you ever wanted or everything that, 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 that was the deal in two seconds without even trying. Would you pay me? Yes. Would you re- rehire me? Probably. Or recommend me? So you don't really care how much, how hard I work and how long I It doesn't matter. You want something and you get it and you pay for it and you're happy. And uh, not doing this gets you into some, such ridiculous situations. I, I uh, <laughs> know cases where people are done in like two hours and then wait for two weeks in order for the client not to think that they didn't get their money's worth. I learned to lie about this. I have this as said, this is my 37th book. At some point I learned to lie about how long it took me to write books because I found out that when I'd come up with a new book and somebody said, wow, it's a new book. It's really good, Klaus. If I said, yeah, it took me three weeks to write, they would immediately devalue it because in their mind that was cheating and then it must be bad and blah, 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 blah. What if I said, yeah, I've been working on it for like a year. They're like, wow, it really shows. And now I've passed through on the other side and proudly say, you know what? This book took three weeks and people go, whoa. But that's only because I have all those books to my name. When it was my fifth book, then it was better that people thought it took a year. Now at 37, if I pretend it takes a year, then I'm going to run into some other problems. But this this value perception is just so bizarre. And actually, it sounds like a lot of what you're sort of talking about is actually reframing that logic, because of course the logic is, you know, maybe channeling people or containing people into a certain way of thinking, which isn't actually serving them well. But a lot of what you're pointing to and kind of teaching, I guess, is is helping them reframe that logic. Would that be a kind of a sort of fair little summary of part of what your work is about? I think yes. n- never pay Ben by the project; pay him by the minute. Because <laughs> he's very effective. No, I think that's an excellent way of stating. An excellent way of stating. Yeah, and I mean, I, I hope you got the answer. Of why is the book five hundred and sixty dollars? And this, this was, if this is allowed, this this was my uh, question for you guys. Uh, have you gotten the answer of, of how do you price a book for five hundred and sixty dollars? Yeah, I mean, I think so. For me, uh, when uh, Carlos first kind of pointed you to, it, I remember when I was running my last company, I actually was challenging my business partner to write the book, which would be a million dollars, with all, all the sort of things that you're sort of talking about. You know, let's get out of the idea that a book should cost this or should cost that, or everything you were saying, Klaus, at the beginning. Like, actually, how much value am I going to get 
from spending the time with the ideas in this. And if we're really thinking about that, then that kind of points us to a completely different place about what something should cost, what it could cost, and focuses, which is everything you're talking about, all on the outcome. You know, if I'm going to spend half an hour with these ideas or an hour or morning or whatever it might be, what is the opportunity that can change as a result of it? So when I first saw your, the, the kind of the thinking around that, you know, and the whole thing around pricing being a signal, such an important signal as well, that actually it kind of made total sense to me sort of straight away. So no, I'm, I'm very aligned with what you were, what you were trying to do. What it meant for me at a personal level was quite a provocation because what it was saying, what it was, it was laying down the gauntlet in a sense to me is like, if you buy this book, will you be able to make that back from its value? It's like not, it wasn't even like whether the book had all the answers, whether I was able to get the answers from the book that meant that it was worth 560 euros. So there was something around the price that was challenging my commitment to the outcome that you're promising. And if I'm not committed to that outcome, I'm not going to pay that price. And so for me, it was like, can I earn that much in an hour, two hours, a day? And if so, am I willing to do the work to make that happen? Which is read the book and put the ideas into place. Because if I'm not, then I can't buy it. Or I, you know, I, I won't I physically, I'll have a repulsion, like an emotional repulsion to buy it because I'm going to judge myself if I don't do the work. And so there's something here. There's, there's a, a, an emotional provocation, but also I think what well, the message for me is like pricing well is a value or a service to the person you're going to help. Because if they're not invested in you, they're not invested in themselves. There's a reason why, why we put uh, another unusual thing that we haven't mentioned yet, which is uh, a full money back guarantee on a book. There's a reason, right? We wouldn't like to trap somebody. That, that's not the point. So you can uh, still give it a shot. It has a lot of pictures in there. So don't worry. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm kidding. But 40 plus out illustrations, we went, everything important is also conveyed in a diagram or a picture or uh, a joke of some sort. And uh, we wanted to do this because we wanted people to use this, not simply own it, but use it. And the, the whole design is thought out in, in a way that if, if you want to use it, you can use it. And if you use it, the chances of you not getting your money back are slim. So it, it's a challenge for sure. But I, I think both Klaus and I are all about gauntlets <laughs> and, and throwing them. And it's also hopefully a way of showing that just by existing, if you see the front page and you know the price, you should already be getting something valuable, even if it's packed inside a provocation. Because let's imagine we've taken the exact same book, the exact same information, the exact same people, the exact same everything else, and then we priced it at $14. Would people want to read it as badly? Would they trust that we had something to say? Would they be provoked? None of those things. Philip sometimes calls experts for confidence dispensers. Part of what you're selling is confidence. If you walk into a room and say, you want to hire me? I cost $20,000. Then some people will say, I don't want to hire you anymore. And that's fine. But some people will say, ooh, you must be good then. No, I, I, there's lots here around the emotional roller coaster that we go on 
I think, when we're making such significant, let's say, uh, investments in something. Uh, and I've, there, there's something here as well around not only the pricing that I'm curious about and maybe another further future conversation, the selling aspect of it, the the how we get people in the right mind space to say, yep, A, he's confident, B, I'm confident, let's do this. Because I think it's like, that's the thing as well that I was experiencing. Like, am I really confident enough? Am I ready? Am I ready for this? And so how does that work? Exactly. There's, and I'll shut up in a moment, but there is a standard running joke in fitness circles, at least some of those I've looked at, not been part of, let's not kid ourselves here, but is that the best thing you can do if you want to lose weight is to find a random person, trustworthy, but random, and say, I'm going to pay you $10,000. And what do I do? Well, you just call me every day and ask, have you lost weight yet? If you pay somebody $10,000 to help you check if you're losing weight, you're going to commit to that project. Or if you don't, well, then why should you care about some random person calling you and asking? Very simple, right? They don't have to do anything. Just the fact that you paid the money means you've shown commitment. You have skin in the game. And that means you're committed to doing it, even though it's completely counterintuitive. This person does nothing for their $10,000. But the fact that you fork them over means you're ascribing value to that relationship, to that, hey, did you lose weight today? And to the confidence point, if, if you don't mind, Klaus, people who don't think they have a problem don't need an expert, don't want an expert, right? If my back hurts a little, eh, I'll just, you know, exercise more. No, I won't. I'll just get a dog and walk more. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm definitely not ready to pay anybody anything. I know how to walk. I know how to sit. I've been sitting for a while now on my own, like a big boy. So one uh, morning, my back hurts so bad I can get up from my bed. Now, my confidence as a client that I can handle this is just shocked, right? It's way below the, 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 the problem that I can see. Now I want an expert. And no, I don't want a friendly priced neighborhood chiropractor that started uh, you know, pricing two weeks ago. I want the best doctor that my money can buy right now. And people shoot themselves in the leg by basically trying to be friendly priced when nobody needs a, a friendly priced expert because they obviously don't have the confidence to deal with such a serious problem. And if the, the problem is not serious, they don't need an expert at all. They might want somebody with, with more uh, time of their, uh, on their hands and they'll go to Fiverr and uh, buy that. That's not a problem. But that's not an expert, and they don't treat the person as an expert, even if they even even if they were, which is tragic. But happens every day a million times, and this is why uh, I I call experts all experts, medical experts and, and technical experts and um, people experts, confidence dispensers. You you put money at one one end and and confidence additional confidence that you can borrow to tackle this big problem comes out. You borrow the confidence, you deal with the problem, and then you're on your own again. And this is this is the, the, the model that if you don't understand, you might try to you know uh, compete with lower prices. And then when it doesn't work, people are in surprise because it would work for, for potatoes. It would work for parking services. It would work for, for waitering. It doesn't work for experts. On that bombshell, um, and I think also just my noodle is slightly baked now about the whole value thing, paying someone $10,000 to do fuck all other than call me. He's like, 
Uh, I get it. I understand it. Could I do it? Not yet. Uh. I love that. I love that. So I hope anyone listening to this who might even slightly consider themselves an expert, and to be honest, if you've been doing something for a few years repetitively and you've got some skill, there's some expertise there that you can sell. I hope this has been a useful conversation for you. Uh, I hope we have a, get to have a more conversations. I'd love to explore the whole value conversation aspect with you guys. And given Klaus's experience, even just the value of amazing experiences, that is something, uh, there's a curious thing, because one of the thing, you know, audiences, we have audiences here who many are coaches. And so there's something about an emergent outcome, something that isn't clearly well-defined at the beginning, that they struggle pricing. And so it'd be interesting maybe at some point to get your thoughts on that, given your, yeah, the the, the work that you have done putting these ideas together in, in your book. Before we end, a bit of shameless promotion. Just could you repeat the name of the book and also where is if is there a place that people can go to just at least see it? Well, for now, until it actually comes out in physical form, the only way to get it is to contact either Klaus Lashted or Philip Fujic on LinkedIn. <laughs> but it, it's soon coming to fearlesspricing.com, which is my usual brand that I use is Fearless Pricing. So fearless-pricing.com. Or you can find them on LinkedIn, Philip Fucic, and I'm not going to try and pronounce the letters that you have to type in. To no, make you, you, you did it perfectly. Congratulations. Uh, and then Klaus Rasted, you can find them on LinkedIn. Check them out. Um, and yeah, uh, they've got, well, Klaus has got lots of videos. And I've seen also you too, Philip, you've got some lots of stuff that you talk about in terms of pricing. So definitely good people to, to check out. Thank you very much, both of you. Really enjoyed your company and, and your knowledge and experience and your generosity and, and time. Very appreciated. Happy to be here. Thank you, Ben. Take care. Thank Until you. next time. Bye-bye.